0: Hello, this is Jason Solomons and you're listening to the February edition of Sounds Jewish from The Guardian. In this month's show, to engage or to exclude the growing row dividing Britain's Jews over how best to relate to British Muslims. The face or faces of Anglo Jewry through the lens of celebrated war photographer turned communal observer Judah Passau. He'll be joining us in the studio to talk about his remarkable new landmark exhibition, and I'll be getting a sneak preview. Plus, mixing folk and underground rock, the Brooklyn band Girls in Trouble put the lives of the Old Testament's female characters to music. We've an exclusive interview. This is Sounds Jewish from The Guardian. And joining me in the studio are, as I said before, the award-winning photographer Judah Passau. Welcome to the studio. Great pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure. It's not very dangerous here.
1: No. You're right (laughs) with that.
0: There's no no need for a flak jacket.
1: No, I feel very secure. Good.
0: And the uh, writer and sociologist and heavy metal expert Keith Kahn-Harris is here, co-author of Turbulent Times, the British Jewish community today, your most recent book. We have had you
2: on before talking about heavy metal, Keith. Yes, you have. When uh, the film Anvil, the documentary film, came out, you had me on.
0: Yeah, It's a strange combination, I was thinking, the Jews and the heavy metal, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one that kind of has a lot of currency.
2: It has more currency than you might imagine. Uh, there's certainly more Jews into heavy metal than you would uh, you would think, but yes, the crossover is pretty small. So, uh, having covered the world's war zones
0: and having kind of then integrated yourself into the the many facets of Anglo Jewish community, I mean, from from the most orthodox to the, to the most liberal, um, which is more
1: dangerous, war or Jews? Oh, I'm going to dodge that question. <laughs> Intended, that is the correct yeah. answer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Should senior figures of the Jewish community be engaging with institutions that have hosted speakers of anti Semitic views? This is the centre of a growing row between the Jewish Chronicle and, among others, Rabbi Jonathan Wittenberg of New North London Synagogue. In a much-debated column on the JC's front page, Martin Bright, the paper's political editor, branded Rabbi Wittenberg a useful idiot for taking part in a meeting organised by the campaigning group London Citizens. The meeting itself took place in a church, but also present was an official from the controversial East London Mosque. The mosque has hosted speakers that, according to the JC, are on the wilder fringes of the Islamist world, people who have voiced vile anti-Semitic views. Does the presence of Rabbi Wittenberg lend indirect respectability to such people? Should he and all Jewish groups be boycotting the East London Mosque and institutions like it entirely? Or should they be reaching out in an attempt to find common ground, perhaps making connections with the mosque's more moderate members? Keith Carn harris you co-wrote a book about the Jewish community last year, Turbulent Times, and have written about this route yourself in the JC. Uh, You're not a direct participant on either side of this argument. So can you give us the background and what prompted you to then respond?
2: I responded to this debate because I was fairly exasperated by the tone without necessarily being a protagonist for either side. Um, The background to the story is London Citizens is a large organisation that is a coalition between uh, hundreds of faith and community groups across London uh, dealing with bread and butter issues of social justice and improving quality of life, such as things like the uh, the the minimum wage for London, the working minimum wage for London. And this is across faiths, isn't it? This is not in particular. It's not just faith, but it does include faiths, including Muslims and Jews and Christians and other groups as well. So the faith element is, is quite important in it. Martin Bright, uh, together with various... Uh, Blogs such as Harry's Place has been have been drawing attention to the fact that one of the most involved sections of London citizens is the East London Mosque, and the East London Mosque is a very large, influential, and important mosque in the East End, which uh, appears to have connections with people on the Islamist right and has hosted speakers uh, that have expressed. Uh, Anti-Semitic views. Can you give us an example of such views? I mean, are they uh, are they repeatable? Well, I mean, Martin Bright quoted in one of his columns uh, a um, words attributed to Sheikh Al Beralic, a Wahhabi Islamic uh, cleric, who talks about making jihad on the Jews and things of of that nature. So, I, I don't contest uh, Martin Bright or Harry's places. Intelligence on this, what I contest is the uh, use to which it's been put, Uh, because Martin Bright has been uh, saying quite forcefully uh, that because of this Islamist element, it's it's poisoned the world to some extent. That Jewish organisations should not be involved in London citizens at all.
0: Now, the the use of the word useful idiot to describe Rabbi Wittenberg is a a strong uh, phrase. Do you know what he meant by that? Is he
2: referring to other things? Well, I mean, one of the reasons why Martin Bright has focused on Jonathan Wittenberg is because he has appeared on platforms with people from the uh, East London Mosque with an unsavoury background. Now, what seems to have happened here is a complete breakdown in communication. Uh, Martin Bright seemed to have no compunction about using the most intemperate language regarding Jonathan Wittenberg and regard Jews who are involved. His argument, though, is, is quite a serious one. His argument is certainly one that needs to be taken seriously, and that is that by engaging with uh, people from the Islamic right and from East London mosques, we are unwittingly perhaps giving them legitimacy, uh, and legitimacy is ultimately what they crave. Um, The question is whether that's true or not, Um, and I want to bypass that question for the moment, but my problem here was the fact that the vituperative nature of the JC's critique completely failed to uh, give any voice or any credence to the uh, reasons why people from New North London and other synagogues and people like Jonathan Wittenberg have become involved in London Citizens, because far from being useful idiots, they've often uh, gone through extensive progr- uh, process of thinking and consultation over precisely these issues. It's just they've come to conclusions that Martin Bright doesn't necessarily like, that there is actually a bigger risk of not engaging in London Citizens, because if Jews pull out of London citizens, then it's not like London citizens is going to fall apart. What's going to happen is there just simply won't be a Jewish voice there. Second, second of all, um, it's quite clear to me from, from my own research, is that whilst East London Mosque does have clearly uh, some far-right Islamist members, it seems to be quite a broad church. There seem to be other members within it who don't have those views and who have a much more pragmatic attitude and who have worked very well with the Jewish community. Um, but also, there's the more general issue about if our attitude to the Muslim community is that we will only talk to people who we agree with, then then we're going to be in big trouble. Yes, I mean, who 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 do you think Martin Bright would would have us talk to then? Well, I don't want to put words in Martin Bright's mouth, but I can certainly say that that. Blogs like Harry's Place, that I know Martin Bright is quite sympathetic to, argue that we should focus our attention on supporting uh, liberal Muslims. And that's certainly true. They are engaging in a struggle in the Muslim community that is important and, uh, and that is righteous. The only problem is, is that they are a minority and there's no escaping the fact that there are a lot of Muslims in this country and if we want to have a decent relationship with them, we have to be have uh, open channels of communication there. The question is, of course how you do that now there are lots of different arguments about where uh, where you should draw the line but what i don't agree with is this absolutist stance that the JC and Martin Bright have taken and Harris place which is that you should have absolutely no contact not only with uh, islamists but any organisation that is even associated with them at one remove you're listening to Sounds Jewish from the Guardian
0: sponsored by the Jewish Community Centre for London We're very lucky we've got a sneak, exclusive preview of the new exhibition at the Jewish Museum in Camden. It's No Place Like Home, Photographed by Judah Passau, an award-winning world press uh, photographer and war photographer, I suppose. He's brought his lens closer to home to look at uh, the different cultures uh, of anglo Jewry uh, and the... the the photographs that surround me are many and varied and just beautiful. I happen to be joined by Shiri Shalmi, who's the cur- curator of this uh, new exhibition here at the Jewish Museum. Uh, thanks for joining us on Sounds Jewish. I went past a small photo uh, of this. I think that's a Union Jack towel, the, 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 the Jewish boy. And you can always tell cause it's like hairy legs. That's a very Jewish kind of changing room going on there.
3: Is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you're right. This is a, a super British um, image. There's football here. There's the Union Jack. There is being uh, in this male environment of, of doing things together, probably on a very wet, cold Saturday, Sunday, I suppose. Uh, but but the guy has got Israel in Hebrew tattooed on his back. Um, it's 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 a beautiful kind of combination of all these elements. It's one of the few images where you don't actually see the face. Uh, you don't know who this guy is, but you get as much information as you need from all the other clues. Yeah, there's
0: energy in machismo and it's juxtaposed by a, a very, very tender shot of uh, uh, Deborah Rachel Taylor, 37 minutes old, breastfeeding uh, with her mum. That, that's tenderness opposite sports.
3: Yeah, I mean, in, in all these uh, images, there is this sense of tenderness. And this is probably my favorite composition of five images. Th- there is such um, a combination of these very personal moments. I mean, there is, there is somebody having a medical examination, um, he's, he's clearly not enjoying it. Um, there is th- this baby who was born as Judah was waiting outside the labor, uh, you know, the room, and, uh, and they called him in to say, She's out. And, um, and there he is. And then there is this beautiful charity table um, kind of painting, uh, almost quality of, of a picture. Um, and the last one on that wall is these two uh, slaughterers. Um, probably not the most um, pleasant thing to th- to think of. Uh, these guys are, are taking a break from, well, you know, from murdering chickens or, or whatever they do. Um, but again, there's such a beautiful personal moment one of them is slightly out of focus he's looking out of the frame what is there out of this frame probably a chicken the way they rest their, their hand on their uh the head on their hands and it's such a beautiful personal moment with such uh beautiful pictorial qualities this again it could have been a painting
0: Shiri Shalmi talking to me earlier at the Jewish Museum. I've now run back to the studio at Guardian Headquarters uh, with the photographer Judah Passau. Judah, you've uh, covered war zones, as we mentioned before. What drew you to this subject, anglo Jewry? I know from your voice, you wouldn't, you're not even Anglo yourself. No, but I am Jewish. You are you Jewish, mean, that's enough.
1: You may not be able to tell that from my <laughs> voice, but I am.
0: Right, I mean, you must have had some conception of anglo Jewry uh, and some relationship with it as an outsider yourself in the first place.
1: The relationship was tenuous... I had to teach myself a lot about what the Jewish community was, uh, what it is now. Uh, Keith's book was uh, very instrumental in this, uh, Turbulent Times, uh, was, was was an important part of the research that, that I did.
0: Oh, that's handy. We got
1: him in at yeah, the same time. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you got to know
0: the Anglo-Jewish politics, is it, that you needed to understand?
1: Uh, I needed to understand the politics, probably... Um, Equally as important was, um, was developing an understanding of the organizational structure of the community because that, it turns out, was the real secret to the access for the taking of the photographs for the project.
0: Yes, I mean, because your, your exhibition takes us into schools, it takes us into uh, kosher delis, it takes us into abattoirs,
1: it takes us into fundraising dinners, funerals, weddings. Uh, bar, mitzvahs. bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, Jewish policemen, Jewish soldiers. I mean, you're you're, you're talking about you're talking about mega bureaucracy. You know, yeah. the Ministry of Defense, the police. I mean, it's a uh, uh, prisons. Yes, yes. Thank you. The, the photograph of
0: the the prisoner is in Wandsworth Prison. That's I mean, right. He, his, yeah. his back is turned to us. We don't we don't get to see his face. That's right. Um, many many visitors to the exhibition will. No, I won't say be shocked, but they'll, they, will, they will stop in front of it. They will gasp and kind of go, oh, you know, Jews are prisoners too.
1: And why shouldn't they be? We are a community that is fully integrated into British society. We are, we are no longer an immigrant community knocking on the door, trying to figure out how do we fit in. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are part of the weave of the fabric of British society. Now, that carries with it all the positive aspects. It also carries with it all the negative
0: aspects. Did the integration of this current generation of Anglo-Jews, did that surprise you on your travels when you found that? Because my, my parents' generation, certainly my grandparents' generation, as I mentioned to Shiri, where we're going around your exhibition, they were. I, I was shocked by the, by the, the integration, the, the fabric, the weave that you mentioned there, because I always thought, even when I was being brought up, we shouldn't mix in so much. We shouldn't become quite as part of it, or perhaps we've become part of it now and no one's quite noticed and suddenly we're there.
1: That, that is a point that Keith makes in his book, in his description of the difference between the generations in, uh, in in the British Jewish community. And the answer to your question is no, I was not surprised by that because I find it perfectly natural that... The British Jewish community today has an entirely new demographic. It is a demographic of the 21st century, not a demographic of the 20th century. This is a community with a, an established sense of pride, pride in belonging, pride in achievement, pride in the knowledge that it has a significant contribution to make to the future development of this country.
0: Is there a particular photo that you find that encapsulates that integration and that confidence, if you like?
1: Yes, I think the one of the um, the Sandhurst cadet. It's a photograph that I took on his uh, final training exercise uh, prior to his deployment to Afghanistan as a platoon commander. Yes. I
0: mean, that's a very strong image of the man with his it's his helmet about on the
1: look in his eyes. He is making the, the most substantial contribution that you can ask of a citizen to make for his country.
0: The uh, other – there are other – that's a very serious kind of image mm. and a strong image in your, in your collection. But there are other – we go from lighthearted to, to extremely serious uh, I- imagery. Uh, one of the big ones is Kosher Kingdom that I looked up with, uh, right. the Which can you, can you just tell us about uh, taking that picture in deepest gold is green?
1: Yes, this is a photograph taken outside of a, uh, a um, kosher superstore called Kosher Kingdom. A, a large supermarket in Golders Green, and it was in the week running up to Pesach, so uh, the, the place was just full of of Passover shoppers. And uh, right outside, so I'm I'm standing on the pavement facing the store, and right outside the store is uh, a very coquettish North young North London woman talking to uh, a guy wearing a hoodie, and uh, you can't see his face. Her body language is just. Well, my son took a look at this photograph and said, "This is a real Becky," <laughs> and that's the only way to describe. the only way to describe the image. I thought I knew her. I thought I looked closer. I thought well, I should know her. I didn't know what I was looking for, except for the fact that I was looking for something to happen with Kosher Kingdom. <laughs> As a the background. I mean you can go to various events. I know you, you go
0: to Klezmer Fest, you go to weddings, you you there are events that you know that something's gonna happen and it's yeah. gonna give you a, a a look. But are there are, are there ones that came across that you had to really plan, uh, that you had to kind of work very hard to get the image and, and weren't sure what was gonna come from them?
1: Uh, yes, the um, the the photograph that I took in the um, abused women's shelter in in North London. Uh, falls into that category. What's, can you describe this photo for us? Uh, th- this is um, a photograph of uh, of an abused woman sitting in her room in this women's shelter that's run by Jewish Women's Aid, um, and she's sitting on the edge of her bed, uh, sobbing into her hands. And she 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 had been describing um the The situation in her life that led her to uh to flee her abusive husband and and seek shelter in this in this home um and the deeper she got into the story uh the more um the mo the more overwrought she got until finally she just started sobbing now we had been um, we had been sitting in her room for about an hour an hour and a half. Uh, just conversing and uh, and the the more we, the more we talked, um, the more familiar she felt she had become, and um, the more she, the, the, the more she felt she could open up to me in terms in terms of her story. I was staggered that you got access to there, and I was in fact staggered that you got access
2: to the Haredi world as well i mean you and not to mention Wadsworth prison i mean i uh, you seem to have a talent for getting into places where most of us wouldn't be able to do so.
1: Well, that, that, that's, it's, that's very kind and that's a very char- charitable um, uh, view to take. But the fact of the matter is that when I approached all of these organizations and all of these people with a request for access, when I explained to them what the project was, it was the project that bought the access – People understood people to whom I explained the project to understood immediately that what we're talking about is creating a historic visual document. This is something that is going to have a life of its own in terms of a historical record. This is a a national snapshot of a family at a particular period in this country's history. This is an awful, awful difficult mm. question.
0: Uh, it's like asking you about favourite children, etc. But there are, I think there are 99 photographs in the exhibition. Do you have uh, a favourite or one that at least was, in taking it, to ha- you have a favourite story?
1: Well, you're absolutely right. It is like asking a, f- a photographer, which, uh, like asking a parent which, which one of his children is his favourite. Uh, but there, there, there is a photograph which which... Resonates for me on a very very personal level uh, it 's a photograph I took inside the uh, um, the liberal Jewish synagogue uh, on a Saturday morning uh, during that coffee hour before the service starts it 's a photograph of uh, two men sharing a joke and the the, the the body language is just is so human it 's such, such a soft, sensitive moment. Everything comes together. The emotion of the moment, the composition, the light, everything was just perfect. And uh, for me, it's a photograph that just makes me sigh. it, it, It gives me a kind of existential sigh every time I look.
0: What's fascinating about Judah's pictures is that they have a multiplicity of voices, and they're all the right voice. There's no one in there you think, that doesn't ring true, nobody talks like that, that wouldn't happen, that cup wouldn't go there. This is truth. They do go there.
1: They they do look like this. This does happen. This place does look like this. That's what that's the beauty of photography. That's uh, and, and, and that's the beauty of photojournalism. This really happened. This is what it looks like. And it's called No Place Like Home, and it's at the Jewish Museum
0: until June the fifth. <laughs> You wouldn't generally connect the stories of the Old Testament with a cool indie folk band based in Brooklyn, but Girls in Trouble is not what you call a normal band. Indeed, its singer and writer Alicia Joe Rabins is a classically trained violinist who grew up sneaking out to punk gigs as a teenager. Since then, Alicia and her band have turned to an unusual source for inspiration. The female characters from the Torah. We caught up with her before her last gig of their European tour to ask her to explain the appeal of the Old Testament stories to a modern audience.
4: One of the things I love about the stories of Torah, of the Old Testament, is that they are as complicated and as... um, Messy as anything that we encounter in real life. And I think there's a common perception. I didn't grow up knowing these stories, and I grew up thinking, it's a holy book, so it must have this kind of ideal world and some prescriptions for how to create that in your own life. And I started to study this um, after university and really fell in love with... The, with the complexity and with the darkness and with the sibling rivalry and family issues and adultery and betrayal and secret loves and um, so I think that actually great, great stories like these stories are eternal and aren't so different from what's happening in the lives of people who go out to rock clubs at night who also struggle with all these issues. Leonard Cohen is a huge influence on me. Um, Bach is a huge influence on me. Laurie Anderson as an experimental violinist and performer is a huge influence. I think some sort of a triangulation of those three is probably where I, where I try to live. Do
5: you think that it's too late to find the one you love? I know him and he's looking.
4: just banned it all. I I consider it a concept project. And one of my main inspirations uh, is actually James Joyce's Ulysses, which is my favorite book. And um, I encountered it in in university and I was just so um, shocked and and thrilled by the way that he took this ancient text of the Odyssey and updated it into his contemporary Dublin. And so even though I have... um, a deep love of Torah and a love of teaching Torah um, and I often do that in conjunction with performances. I actually see this as an artistic project um, like many other artistic projects throughout time which um, have a relationship to my own spirituality but also as an art project it's commenting on an ancient tradition that still feels contemporary. There's a song called DNA on our new album Half You Half Me And it's a song about the love between sisters, really, Uh, the story of Rachel and Leah. So, Leah is the older sister, but Jacob has fallen in love with the younger sister, Rachel, um, and is about to marry her. Uh, But they have a sense that the father might want to switch the sisters at the wedding and put Leah under the veil instead of Rachel. When we play in a club, there will be one or two people who clearly had some kind of intense religious training who will come up and say, was that song about this character? But then there will also be people who come up and say, I really related to this song because I'm going through something very similar personally. So that's also gratifying because it feels like my goal of having the songs live both in the ancient stories and in contemporary life is, uh, is happening.
0: Keith, uh, we mentioned
2: at the top that you're a heavy metal fan. Uh, have you heard of the the girls in trouble? Yes, and I also saw them playing at the uh, closing gala uh, at Limud. I mean, metal isn't the only thing I like. I am <laughs> slightly broader than that. I always thought it's metal or nothing. Well, for some people, but not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm an ecumenical metal, <laughs> yes. a self-hating metal. Right. You uh, uh, <laughs> this, is this your kind of thing, too, too earnest? Well, it is a little earnest, and I can't say it's the sort of thing that I would love. But I have to say, when I looked at it on paper, I thought, oh, God, uh, you know, it sounds a bit, it sounds terribly earnest. And it sounds uh, a little bit sort of like contemporary Christian music and the sort of songs about female characters. But when I actually heard them, and I also listened to some stuff online as well, I have to say she totally pulls it off. I mean, the music is quite sparse and very delicate... And there's a lot of space and air in it, I think. And the lyrics as well. As I say, lyrics about female characters of the Bible could be, could be pretty horrific, but they're not. They're quite beautiful. I think the question is where she, where, where Girls in Trouble go from here, because, I mean, there are only so many female characters uh, in the Bible. And, you know, it wouldn't hurt them to rock out a little bit more. But, you know, I, I'm not the average punter, I would yeah, say. Yeah,
0: like, like, the, like the wife who was turned into a pillar of salt, I could say, that's your lot. That's my lot. See? <laughs> See See what you did, Dan. See what I did there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's all for this month Sounds Jewish thank you to my studio guest, Judah Passau good luck with that fabulous exhibition uh, highly recommended by me if no one else but honestly everyone should flock to it and very everyone's in it in fact in this who's listening to this so you should go and see yourselves uh, and to Keith Carr Harris as ever lovely to have you back on the show Keith uh, and thanks of course to our sponsors the Jewish Community Centre for London next month we'll be talking to you directly from Jewish Book Week taking place next to the Guardian in King's Place for the very first time to play us out here is Hunter from Girls in Trouble. From me, Jason Solomons, and my producer, Sarah Peters, goodbye. Hunter,
5: hunter.